The Red Sox West Coast trip continues with three games this weekend against the Diamondbacks. Out to the KUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com. And Chris, good to have you on the show. And the Red Sox, they're in the American League East, so that means they're above 500 because everybody's above 500. Red Sox 26 and 24. How would you describe the first 50 games of the season for Boston? Yeah, I mean, somewhat of a roller coaster. There's obviously been ups and downs, I think. Generally, they've been competitive. They showed a lot of fight. Um, you know, they've showed they are a team that is going to, you know, on most nights give you a battle. I mean, there's not, um, you know, they're obviously lost four in a row, and that's happened a couple times. But they've had also winning streaks of eight, and, you know, they've played some good teams, had some big sweeps at home. And, you know, I think it's a team that, you know, they're going to be kind of in the competition for that, you know, second, third wild card spot. Fortunately for them in that division, it means just a place right now with all those teams ahead of them, you know, playing super well. So, I think they're about right where we thought they'd be. I think it's you know even more impressive considering how hurt they've been throughout the year. You know Adam Duvall was the hottest hitter in baseball for the first week and then broke his wrist. You know, they didn't have James Paxton for the first six weeks. Um, you know they haven't gotten anything out of Trevor Story, Alberto Mondesi, and had some other guys. Yu Chang go down and Cutter Crawford was on the IL. Garrett Whitlock who put pitch tomorrow has been on the IL twice. So you know, they've had a lot of guys go down. They haven't really been at full strength yet, and they've been able to tread water and. You know, beat two games above 500, which I think is a testament to the fight. Um, but that being said, again, and that's division with those teams ahead of them, uh, it's resulting in a fifth place uh, showing right now. But uh, in, in the whole American League as a whole, that's, you know, uh, fifth place in the division means that, you know, with that division that you're going to be able to compete for a wild card spot. So kind of depends on how you look at it. I think generally a positive start for them. You know, they're coming into this series having lost four in a row, um, which, you know, dampens things a little bit. But, they're looking to get back on track. How much of this success is Alex Cora? You know, obviously, you know, Alex has had a uh, a big hand in this. I think, you know, he's been viewed as one of the better managers in the game since he, you know, cheating aside since he took over in 2018 here and won the World Series his first year. I think the way that they're doing it, um, it's not the same lineup every year, and there have been a lot of adjustments that have been made. Um, you know, they started with Rafael Devers hitting second and Masataki Yoshida hitting fourth. They swapped those guys. You know, they that seemed to have helped. You know, there's platooning that goes on on a daily basis. And, you know, Alex really had to manage the middle of the field. Kind of, you know, not just plan A, B, C, but really D, E, and F. I mean, this is a team that, you know, went into the offseason hoping they'd have Xander Bogart's back at short and Christian Arroyo at second, Kike Hernandez in center. Um, and that really has obviously didn't happen. Bogart ends up leaving. Trevor Story, uh, you know, as, as uh, an option. Um, was going to be the shortstop. He gets hurt as elbow surgery. They move Kike to short. They have, you know, their Duval in center. All of a sudden, Duval gets hurt. Now, Darren Duran's in center, and Yu Chang's at short, and Kike's at second. And, they, you know, they're cutting guys basically from minor league trade. Pablo Reyes, the guy they got from the A's, you know, plug him in, and he plays second. And Manuel Valdez, the kid they called up from AAA to make his debut, has been playing well at second. So, I mean, they're cycling through a lot of options in the middle of the field. Cora is, you know, dealing with guys that really you know, he probably had very little familiarity with. Obviously, you know, you get a guy in a minor league deal like Pablo Reyes, and all of a sudden he's in your lineup the next day. Probably not ideal, but Cora's did a good job kind of managing and finagling those guys and putting them in the right spots, and the offense has really been, you know, pretty good throughout the season. So he does deserve some credit. The Red Sox on this current trip, uh, they won the first two games in San Diego, but then they lost the last game of that series. They were just got swept in Anaheim. You mentioned uh, they've had a couple of losing streaks. 
Is, is this current four-game losing streak reason for concern or no big deal? I mean, the offense has gone quiet, and that happens throughout the season. We've seen it with P&B, a team that grinds at bats, and the offense has generally been pretty good. So for me, I don't think it's the biggest concern. I think you're just looking at a lot of guys slumping you know, at the wrong time altogether. Alex Verdugo, Darren Duran, uh, Justin Turner, Kike Hernandez, some of those guys. Tristan Costas has been in the slump the entirety of the season. So, you know, it happens. I think uh, you know, they've gotten generally good pitching performances throughout the week, which has not been the case throughout the season. Tanner House earned a rotation spot over Corey Kluber with a good outing in Anaheim in a game they lost. Brian Bayo pitched well in Anaheim in a game they lost. It gave Paxton Chris Dale, who we'll see tonight. Uh, have pitched pretty well of late. So, you know, I think that this is, again, a team that, you know, is going to hit. Uh, every team kind of hits these slides throughout the season. I think they're, you know, pretty happy they're going to be missing Zach Allen out in Arizona and, um, and hopefully can get back on track against the other guys they're facing. The Red Sox, they've got the fifth most runs in baseball. Are you surprised the offense has been this good? Uh, you mentioned uh, grinding at bats. Uh, and, you know, what else do they excel at, do you think? Yeah, you know, a lot of grinding at bats, making the pitcher work, uh, getting on base. You know, last year I think they kind of saw their offense as an offense that, um, you know, when it was going bad, it went, it kind of got contagious quickly. You know, a lot of empty at bats and a lot of guys who, you know, struck out at a high clip and, you know, a lot of one, two, three quick innings. And now, you know, they have a lot of guys that, um, you know, they don't strike out much to get on base. I mean, Masataki Yoshida, I think he struck out and, and walked the same amount of time, 17 or 18 right. times. Throughout the season, Justin Turner you know, has done that in the past and is a guy that, you know, even if his OPS and his numbers aren't crazy, but he's you know, a guy that grinds at bats, he's a professional at bat. Christian Costas hasn't hit at all this year, but he works at bats, works the count. Um, you know, they were pleased with what they got from Duval. And then a couple of guys have really stepped up, a couple of guys that were you know, much maligned over the last couple of years. Alex Verdugo, you know, I know he's slumping here, but he's one of the hottest hitters in baseball for the first month or five or six weeks. Jaron Duran, you know, for the first month he was up in the majors, he's hitting like 375. Um, he's been slumping as of late, and they get contributions from those guys. And, you know, even a guy like Valdez or Connor Wong or Reese McGuire, some of these unheralded guys, like they've gotten, you know, pretty good contributions from. So um, it's a tough lineup. <clears throat> I don't think the pitcher gets any breaks when they're facing them. Um, and that's kind of what the Red Sox, you know, they went into the offseason trying to do two things, add guys that could grind the pass and get on base. And on the pitching side, guys, they can throw strikes. And I feel like they've accomplished that so far. Okay, let's get into some of these, uh, you know, the offensive guys here. Rafael Devers, he's got productive numbers, 13 homers and 44 runs bad in, hitting 249. What's up with the batting average? Yeah, this is kind of the floor for Rafi, I think. You know, um, obviously, he was, I think, leading the American League in homers. The power has been there, but, you know, he's he's been – a little off, I would say, throughout the season. He told us last week he just doesn't feel like he hasn't gotten hot yet. He hasn't been right at the plate, you know, and that kind of shows you. For this guy, the floor, you know, the worst-case scenario is, you know, an eight-something OPS with, you know, a league-leading homer. So that's going to happen at some point. You know, there's going to be a point in the season where he, you know, is getting three or four hits a game for a week, and, and all those numbers are going to even out. You know, there is something to be said about, you know, our team pitching in differently now that he's the featured attraction in the lineup. No offense to Justin Turner and Yoshida and all these guys, Duvall, Verdugo, whatever, but uh, Duran, like, you know, they, they don't have the cachet that Bogarts and J.D. Martinez. And for a time, Mookie Betts did in the lineup where Devers is kind of, you know, you couldn't, you, you couldn't, uh, you didn't have to pitch around Devers back then. You know, now you kind of do. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to get hot at some point. Still, the numbers are not bad. It's not a bad year by any means, but in his words, he hasn't gotten hot quite yet. 
Yoshida hitting 299, as you mentioned, the same number of walks and strikeouts. What, what's your evaluation of him in his first year in the major leagues? Yeah, it was, you know, after that's, all those numbers come with, you know, two or three weeks of not hitting at all. You know, I think he dipped below 200. Uh, it's mid-April, about three weeks into the season. And then they went on a road trip to Milwaukee and Baltimore, and he took off. You know, this is a guy that you know, sprays the ball over the field, obviously makes high contact with a ridiculous clip. Doesn't strike out, gets on base. He's flash power too. You know, for a guy with his frame, I think you know that's been surprising. They think he's you know good for 20, 25 homers throughout the year. He's been uh, everything they really expected him to be, and more. I think when you look at the 300 average, the power, the OPS, um, he's not been a disaster in left field as many would have thought he would have been before the season. And you know, he's the, the heavy favorite for the rookie of the year in the AL. So um, it's a very important player for Heim Bloom. It's a guy that he. You know, went out and was super aggressive on trying to get the first day he was posted. Five years, $90 million, and so far, so good. Yeah, you mentioned Verdugo as an Arizona background. What 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 has he brought to the organization? Uh, you know, I think this year, uh, we saw it in 2020 when he first came over in that shortened season. He was probably the Red Sox best player uh, on that team. Though that team was so bad that I was also in the running for their best player that year. Um, over the last two years, He's regressed kind of across the board. And um, Alex Gore, at the end of last season, I was the one that asked the question the last day, Alex, is there anybody on the team that you want to take a step forward in 2023? Before I was even done, he said, yeah, Verdugo. You know, we need Verdugo to be a lot better. They challenged him to be better with his conditioning, with everything, his routines, all that type of stuff, his approach. And Verdugo, who is never shy and will always tell you exactly how he feels, you know, he said, told me in spring training he was really pissed off about the whole thing, and he decided to go home and try to prove Alex Cora wrong, or I guess prove him right that he was, you know, capable of doing these things. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, believe it or not, Henley Jansen told me in spring training this guy has the talent to be a Hall of Famer. He has that much God-given ability if he can stay healthy and, and do the right things and commit to it and, and you know have the work ethic. He could be, you know, one of the better players in the majors, and. They challenged him with that. He was really good during spring training. They challenged him to take over the leadoff spot, and he has been, you know, other than a little slump here the last couple of weeks, to their best, you know, offensive consistent producer other than Yoshida. So um, they're very pleased with that. You know, they're very pleased with kind of the maturity that he's shown in year four. I think they probably would have, you know, liked it to happen maybe a little bit earlier, but they're in this boat now, and you know, he's a guy that uh, with a good year this year and a good year next year could get really paid on the free agent market. And you know, there's a lot riding on him too because he was. You know, and by all accounts, the centerpiece of what they got from Mookie Betts, and the other piece of that, you know, Jeter Downs is no longer with the organization. Connor Wong is, you know, obviously doing well behind the plate. So um, they're making that return look a little bit better. I'm afraid that you know, Red Sox fans are still irritated about three years later. The offense you mentioned, uh, you know, Story and Mondesi and Duvall, on they're all on the 60-day injured list right now. Any prognosis as, as to when they might return, and, and how do they fit in when they come back, especially Story? Duvall is targeting to come back to June 9th, so two weeks from today. That's the day he can come off the 60. He feels good. Talked with him at Fenway the other day. Story, not around the team. You know, it's a very long rehab process, basically, you know, a, a variant of Tommy John that he had in January. So it's not something that, you know, they're going to rush. I think he's just getting back to throwing and hitting, so – my expectation on him has always been maybe sometime around August 1st. Um, and then, you know, the thing with uh, Adalberto Mondesi has been very strange. The guy they acquired in an offseason trade for Josh Taylor, he has not progressed at all from an ACL tear that he suffered last year in, in late April with the Royals. 
he has not gotten close to game action. He's in extended spring training, and I guess you know the pain tolerance is, is has not been good. So you know at this point, you know he's he's kind of a lost, forgotten man. I think Story, you know, when he comes back, is going to be the starting shortstop. Uh, they'd probably like to move T.K. Hernandez to second base in that scenario. The real question mark comes at center field. You know, Adam Duvall when he comes back. How do they, you know, mix him in with Darren Duran, who's been one of the better hitters in baseball for the last month? Mm-hmm. Uh, they follow that under a good problem to have, but still, you can't play, you know, six outfielders a day, and they have many capable guys. You see them left, Duvall and, and Duran in center, Verdugo in right, and even, you know, guys like Rival Tapia and Rob Repsnyder have had good seasons, too. So, uh, not an easy problem for Alex Thor, but one I think he's going to be happy to have. Chris Sale, uh, unfortunately, off injured with Boston, but he's certainly been impressive of late. Uh, what do you expect from him? And, uh, you know, I guess including tonight in the series opener against the Diamondbacks. He has been uh, really good. And I think it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, as Alex Cora and whoever, anybody else around the organization pointed out, this is a guy that really didn't pitch for three years. You know, he missed all of 2020 as he had Tommy John, missed most of 21, came back in August. And we've seen time and time again when guys come back from Tommy John. They're not at 100% when they're first you know, making those starts. He did that down the stretch. And, look, he was a guy that was not at full velocity and was not, you know, did not look like himself and still you know, pitched to a three ERA or a two-something ERA down the stretch. Got lit up in the playoffs, came into 2022 with big expectations. And, really, three freak accidents you know, ruined his whole season. He snapped a rib throwing a pitch before the season in a private workout, got sidelined him until July, came back, pitched well in his first start. In the first inning of the second outing, a comebacker basically took his pinky off and broke it on his pitching hand. That sidelined him for a couple more months, and as he was getting close at the end of that rehab, he went over the handlebars of his bike and broke his wrist. And so that's three, you know, freak, freak, you know, bone breaks over the course of, um, you know, five six months that <clears throat> limited him to five innings last year. You know, the thing that I thought heading into the season was these aren't like structural, you know, shoulder things that are going to be with him for a while. Like these theoretically are bones that are going to heal and he's going to be fine and you know it took a couple starts to get his feet under him get the command get the feel for pitching in the majors back but he has you know he's looked like an ace you know starts against the cardinals and uh, um, at, at home and, and kind of the um you know the last week we've seen san diego so you know he's he's really um you know looking like a number one again i think that exceeds expectations for a lot of red sox fans Paxton, I, I completely forgotten about Paxton. Uh, you know, he's been back for a handful of starts, a little less than a handful of starts. What have you seen for him so far? Yeah, the other guy has been pretty impressive. He only lasted three innings uh, two nights ago in Anaheim. Uh, that's you know going to happen, obviously. But you know, he came back, and you know, the velocity. I think after really three years down, twenty twenty one, he uh, <clears throat> he twenty twenty barely pitched twenty twenty one. Blew out his UCL in his first start, missed all of last year with you know rehab setbacks with the Red Sox. So um, made his debut a couple weeks ago against the Cardinals. He's now made three starts. He's you know pumping 96, 97 from the left side at 34 years old. You know they're very pleased with that. It's a different look, and you know it says a lot. I think about you know how they feel about Paxton, how they feel about the stuff and the potential. They've had to make difficult rotation decisions here. You know, Corey Kluber and Nick Pavetta, two guys that. You know, Pavetta led the team in starts last year and led the team in innings and has taken the ball every five days over the course of a few years now. And Kluber's a guy that, you know, in December they signed to a $10 million deal as they're really their only rotation reinforcement. And, you know, they, they've liked what they've seen from Klub, uh, from Paxton so much that both of those guys are moved to the bullpen. So I think, you know, that's pretty telling. 
Uh, he's healthy and he's been, you know, contributing. So I think they're they're pleased with that. You know, uh, this is a pitching staff with a lot of risks and a lot of upside. You know, you look at a guy like you know, Paxton, kind of in the same boat as Sale and the same boat as Kluber. You know, formerly among the best pitchers in baseball, now on the backside of their career with injury concerns, and then you know some younger guys in Bayo and Whitlock and Hauk who have been really good too. So um, they have depth. I think they're you know now getting to a point where they're figuring out the five-man group they want to move forward with, and and we'll see the start of that this weekend. Okay, I was going to ask you about Kluber next. Uh, out of the rotation now, any hope for him, or is he just maybe done? Yeah, it was uh, it was tough to watch the first you know nine starts of the year, starting on opening day. This is a guy that you know, looking at kind of the striking stats yesterday, he had eighteen walk or twenty one walks last year in one hundred and sixty four innings with Tampa Bay, um, <clears throat> the lowest walk per nine rate in baseball. You know, obviously minuscule. Uh, and, you know, again, 21 walks in 164 innings, and through 44 innings this year, he has 18 walks. So he's almost at his total for the entirety of last year. He just has not been able to locate. You know, the Red Sox have been generally non competitive in most of his starts. I think there's three and six in his outings. You know, he was, they, they kind of uh, made a big, you know, it was not the biggest deal you're ever going to see with one year for $10 million, but, you know, they, they signed him over, you know, re signing Evaldi, which they wanted to do, or signing some of these other starters. And it just didn't work out. So, you know, they think he can be a guy that uh, contributes out of the bullpen. They now have four long relievers out there, and, and him, Nick Pavetta, Josh Winkowski, who's been excellent, and Cutter Crawford. Um, you know, and, and they have built-in depth. If something happens to somebody in the starting five, and we know it will because it always happens, and these guys are injury-prone guys anyway. You know, you do have some guys who you can come up and, and have done it before. But, you know, Cooper hasn't pitched out of the bullpen since 2013. So, um it's not like this is a guy that's very familiar with it. It'll be interesting to see. You know, apparently, he stands with it very professionally and understands he didn't get the job done. But um, definitely, I would say, you know, him and him and probably Tristan Koss is the most disappointing members of the Red Sox so far on a team that generally has exceeded expectations. Whitlock uh, scheduled to come off the injured list this weekend. What should we look for from uh, from Whitlock uh, against the Diamondbacks? Yeah, he's you know a guy that the Red Sox have obviously used out of the bullpen primarily over his first two seasons, the Rule 5 pick in 2021, that um, just came in and had an unbelievable rookie season as a Rule 5 guy, as a multi-inning, you know, at times low-leverage reliever, and by the end of the season when they were in the playoff hunt, a high-leverage reliever, you know, getting saves and pitching in the back end there. Last year they tried, you know, they started him in the bullpen, had to move him to the rotation, moved him back to the bullpen, and he ended up getting hurt. This year they just said, you know, we want this guy to start. We envision this guy being a starter for us long-term, and He's kind of learning kind of on the fly in the majors on how to start. There's some really good outings. There's some bad ones. Um, you know, I think he's kind of, unfortunately for himself, fortunately and unfortunately, has set a bar for himself where he did not give up any hits or any runs, basically, as a reliever. I mean, he was so lights out, striking everybody out in those short sample sizes that, you know, when fans see him give up, you know, three runs over six innings, they're like, oh, my God, what's wrong with Garrett Whitlock? And Alex Gore always says, no, relax. He's human. This happens. He's still, you know, a quality major league pitcher. He's ended up, you know, getting hurt this year. Uh, he had elbow neuritis, which kind of a tingling sensation toward the end of April. That's cleared up, and he'll be back. But I think they wanted to use his change up more and, and use it more effectively. And, and we'll see tomorrow. Um, he's a big piece of this moving forward. They signed him to an extension after his rookie year. He's a guy who, you know, has um, really been kind of, you know, one of their most important players over the last couple of years. And 
come out of nowhere and, and one of Heimblum's, you know, greatest finds. So, um, you know, they, they have a lot of expectation for him in their rotation as well. And again, it says a lot that they're keeping Whitlock and House, two guys who have been really good relievers early in their careers in the rotation over these guys like Kluber and Pavetta, you know, just speaks to the belief in them. Last up, I appreciate the extended time here. I got to ask about Kenley Jansen. Obviously, uh, you know, we've seen plenty of him uh, his right. days with the Dodgers. How would you evaluate the first rough, roughly the first two months of his Red Sox days? Um, to be honest with you, you know, just as a not knowing much about him, obviously knowing who he was from the LA days and knowing how dominant he was, but never interacting with him, I didn't know much about him as a person. But he is. Um, from a coverage perspective and just from a human perspective, perhaps the nicest and uh, friendliest and uh, has the best mood of any player I've ever seen come through the Red Sox clubhouse. And I think that that has wow. really you know, rubbed off on everybody. He has been, you know, the leader of the pitching staff, one of the leaders of the team. And it's been, you know, from that perspective, I think, you know, paid off greatly. The first, you know, month, month and a half, he was absolutely dominant. Uh, he was, Velocity was up, better location was on point, all that type of stuff. And he was perfect in save opportunities. He had, you know, one wonky weekend against the Cardinals that inflated all of his numbers where he lost his command a little bit, got all screwed up by Wilson Contreras, screwing with the pitch clock and um, ended yeah. up, you know, blowing saves on back to back days. So generally he's been lights out and dominant. The Red Sox haven't had a guy like this really since twenty eighteen with Craig Kimbrell. Alex Four is very pleased to have Ganson in the back of the bullpen, but off the field, everything you could ask for and more. And I think it's a guy that, you know, has embraced Boston, loves it so far. And, um, you know, if he's not an all-star, I'll be surprised. Glad I asked about him. All right, good deal, Chris. I appreciate it. Good stuff. Thanks. Have fun. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Bye. Chris Chris Tillo of uh, MassLive.com. Read all his work and uh, so forth.